This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives online. I'm Sarah Tasker and this is episode 35. Hello, how are we all this week? This week's episode is kind of a little bit different in format to maybe what you're used to from me. It's a conversation with Jen Carrington, who you might remember from season one. She's a creative coach based in Manchester and somebody who I worked with early on in my sort of blogging career slash adventure. And Jen and I, since working together, have become friends. So rather than the usual kind of interview format, what we ended up recording sort of by accident this week was much more of a mutual conversation. So you'll hear a lot more from me than maybe you would in an interview and it's a little bit more casual but I do think there's an awful lot of stuff that we touch upon that is probably going to resonate with people things that will sound super familiar to lots of you and hopefully lots of things that will be valuable and useful and maybe news to some of you too most of all I hope it just feels like you are sat with us having a cup of coffee and a good old chat because in my head that is what we all do every week on this podcast It can feel so isolating being a creative and sticking it out on your own. So hopefully listening to Jen and I have this chat will make you feel like you are truly a part of our bigger community. So let's have a listen. Hello, Ms. Jen Carrington. Hello, Ms. Sarah Tasker. It is lovely to have you on back on Hashtag Authentic. Even lovelier to be face to face. I know, I feel very honoured. I've been like obsessively listening to every episode. I feel very honoured to be on the show. Well, you were my podcast inspo with make it happen so I feel like I kind of owe you to at least have you on occasionally (laughs) introduce yourself then for anyone who's not heard your show or maybe heard our earlier episode together please so I'm Jen Carrington I'm a creative coach what that basically means is I help creatives kind of make happen the things they say they want to make happen but keep not making happen and I really help them get out of their own way and move forward I live in Manchester with my husband, my two cats and my dog. So my little petting zoo, as I like to call it. And those cats and dogs are currently in the next room. So <laughs> there may be some small cameos from paws and things. Well, the budgie last week, I loved the budgie. Well, the budgie is now one of two. So very exciting. there's going to be quite a lot of budgie cameos <laughs> going on in the future of Hashtag Authentic. So. so yeah, I'm a creative coach. I work with wonderful, amazing creative people. And yeah, that's and when I'm not coaching, I'm probably reading a book or watching The West Wing. Or having a nap. I love naps. Or petting, my petting zoo. <laughs> Small petting zoo. <laughs> um, and actually, Jen and I, I hope I can talk about this, both have some sort of shared health problems. Oh. Um, so we both have issues with huge issues with fatigue. and Basically, our brains, do, basically our brains don't work. Our brains don't work properly. So yeah, a lot of brain fog, a lot of fatigue. And so we both have experience of building our businesses to a level that allows us to live the lives we want to live mm. around our health issues. So that might be something we talk about a little bit today because I suspect it's something more people relate to than we realise. Yeah. I know when I put it on my blog, there was a lot of people saying that actually they're struggling with um, chronic or acute health problems. And when you kind of resign yourself to the fact that it's there for life, you realise you've got to get on anyway and you've got to do the stuff you want to do. Yeah, it was really interesting actually. I was I was at my parents last night and they were just asking how I was and I was like, my dad was like, I'm so glad that you have your own business, that you can work from home, that you can manage it because he was like, you couldn't, you know, go to an office five days a week and he was like, because 
when you have chronic illness it's really interesting people who live with chronic illness understand what it means to have a chronic illness it's like you kind of have to be like this is my life now yes but people who don't have chronic illness sometimes what they they're, they're constantly waiting for you to find your cure to get better yes but when you've got chronic illness the conversation has to be well this is my life I don't know if I'm going to get better worse good days bad days how do I fit it around and I had an interesting conversation with him and I think it's um I also think with business I don't know if this is a complete tangent as we're getting started but I think it's really I think some business owners I don't know if you struggle with this struggle how much to share the health struggles Mm. because you don't want it to define what you're capable of yes you don't want to be you know it's sometimes it's and it's you kind of disable you kind of what's the word you, you're stigmatizing yourself mm-hmm. because you're like this is my truth but I don't want to make this my whole story and I also don't want people to think that I'm not capable of what I'm capable of well the stigma is real it, yeah. it is real like we're still a very ableist society completely and that applies to mental illness as well as to physical illness and so I know in the episode where I spoke to John O'Smart and he was talking about like he's really open about his mental health and it's really easy when you hear someone else's story like that you think yeah that's the right thing to do and anybody that is kind of turned off by hearing about your wider health picture is not the right person for you and good riddance but it is a lot harder when it feels personal yeah and I um I don't because I live with both mental and physical health conditions and I my kind of rule is I'm only going to share things that I'm at peace with so right now I am so in it with my physical health that there's I can't fully tell the whole story because I'm still going to hospital appointments and still yeah. having tests and I'm I'm still figuring out who am I in the middle of this whereas with my mental health I'm very at peace with it so I I don't share it as much and maybe I don't even know why I don't maybe because I think people don't want to hear it mm. but if I had to if the question was asked I would feel more comfortable there because I'm more at peace so I think it's also how at peace are you with where you're at to how much you're happy to share I don't know if that's yeah. for me anyway that makes sense and this was something you and I spoke about earlier today actually was when you have so for me I have POTS and it has very few physical symptoms that other people can perceive yeah. so it's a very physical illness and it has a really easy diagnostic test but people look at you and you seem absolutely fine and normal so that concept of maybe you're just being lazy is really hard to push past it's so hard like I have something called a Chiari malformation which is quite interesting because POTS and Chiari are very much they kind of test for both yeah they overlap so we and um and I was saying to Sarah like you know you're not well you're in bed you're kind of taking it easy but you've still got this fear of am I lazy I think it's do you know um a woman I'm gonna she's called Esme Wang I'm gonna send you her stuff because anyone listening if you do live with health conditions check her out she wrote this beautiful article called like when you're chronically ill and afraid of being lazy and it's that kind of, what do you do when you're still an ambitious human, but you have a limitation? Right. And you are constantly just beating yourself up for being lazy. You know, you're not being lazy. I found for me, the thing that helps me the most is Alex, my husband. Mm-hmm. I have to say to him, am I being lazy? And he goes, no. He's like, you're the, like, it is so hard. And I think it's a continuous journey. And I also think it depends where you are in your illness. You yeah. can be having like a great week. And then you can be having a week where you wanted to achieve so much and your illness didn't allow you to. And that's when you get really down. Or there's some days where you're not, like you're saying, you, you look fine, but you're not feeling well. And you're like, am I really sick? Am I lazy? Is this all my? It's just, it's a very interesting experience. It really is. In fact, it's kind of got me to a point now where I've realized I don't think I believe in laziness as a concept. Exactly, yeah. Uh, for anybody I think it's one of those things maybe it's come from historically come from kind of Protestant work ethic but this idea the devil makes work for idle idle hands hands. (laughs) and actually when we're not working for whatever reason when you know there's there's always stuff we want to be doing it's very rare that what we want to be doing is sitting on the sofa wishing we were doing more yeah (laughs) like that's never what we set out to do with our day 
but it quite often can end up being what we do with our day or people have like work tasks or creative tasks that they want to work towards and they're not getting them done and when we beat ourselves up and tell ourselves that we're lazy that gets us nowhere nothing changes but actually understanding what is making you hesitant to start or what is stopping you and it could be my physical health is stopping me or it could be this task feels too huge or there's something in my way and actually laziness always has a cause so laziness is not really a thing yeah and I think I've also been kind of asking myself the question especially because I imagine you have this too I work with lots of different clients and so I it's like like lazy anxiety is such a thing I have clients say to me like Jen I worry I'm lazy and they might not even <laughs> live with chronic health problems it's more just especially when you work for yourself and you work from home you have this freedom to kind of do whatever you want right and so if you spend an hour watching something on Netflix you're like am I lazy and I see it so much and I've been asking myself is there actually anything wrong with being lazy because sometimes out of laziness comes creative breakthroughs right that's just downtime it's not laziness it's that there's a Pinterest quote about stopping the glorification of busy and I really feel that like I know people in my life who are all about if you're not busy you're not important and it's like, it's a cult. It's a cult that most of us have signed up to at some point in our life, I think. Like, I'm so important. I'm busy, busy, busy. <laughs> and actually, the plan was never to work as much as possible. The plan was always, surely, for all of us to work as smart as possible so that we could enjoy our life as much. Yeah, and also, I I think a lot of us are afraid of the quiet. <laughs> because in the quiet, we kind of have to be with ourselves. Right. I think, okay, I think a lot of us put a lot of life and a lot of work. And me personally, I put a lot of food on top of emotions and on top of things. <laughs> and I feel like quiet time, downtime is one of those things that we, we've, it's not been modeled to us as something to celebrate. Right. So we feel a lot of shame. But then it's also scary because if you're so used to being busy, what the hell do you do when it gets quiet? Right. Maybe you have you know thoughts are coming into your head fears coming in Jen my phone the other day turned itself off and wouldn't turn back on for 10 minutes when I plugged (laughs) it in so I'm in bed bedtime my phone won't turn back on 10 minutes in the dark I thought I was gonna have a nervous breakdown like just 10 minutes of my own quiet thoughts was too much for me and I was like I want to be on Twitter and maybe someone's emailed me it was like one in the morning no one had emailed me like yeah that's a real the struggle is real we're overconnected and I think but I don't know about you I my best best creative ideas that I feel most connected to what matters most as a creative person when I've had space whether I've gone yeah. on ho- I mean travel for me is the antidote to all creative blocks and like just getting away but I could at home just taking a day to not go on laptop just to chill out I get like 10 ideas for something I want to write I think white space is like the secret weapon for a lot of us but I think we're afraid of it because we've not everyone's like oh I'm so busy and I think we think our worth is from how hard we burn ourselves into the ground oh my god that's so true that is so true and no shame because it's what's been modeled you know you go to school like we've all been modeled like eight hours a day in school eight hours a day in work and like push 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 it's our society has not modeled this to us yeah but humans are not designed to work on one task for eight hours solid without stopping and doing other creative and filling up your tank and we were laughing earlier about that kind of that cliche like put your own oxygen mask on first and I think resting is part of how we refill the tank absolutely and isn't that why we wanted to be self-employed or creative livers in the first place and being having a chronic illness it just adds like a whole different component where there's a our body's cutoff point is way smaller than someone who is fully able spoon theory have you come across spoon theory spoon theory is like me and Alex 
literally talking spoons but it's same should we we should explain spoon theory for anyone who's not come across it because it sounds a bit random so i can't remember can you remember who coined the phrase i can't remember who coined it but she basically she was sat with a friend and this woman had a i'm not sure what chronic illness it was she was sat across from a friend and the friend wanted to understand but didn't and she basically got a lot of spoons i think they were at a restaurant and she was like basically i have six spoons a day say for example for me to wash my hair that's a spoon for me to cook a dinner that's another spoon and we have to look at our day of well this is how many spoons I have these are the things I want to do I can't do it so for me for example say one day I've got like a lot of client calls I cannot have a lot of spoons to walk the dog Alex no. walks the dog on those days I can't have enough spoons to say go and hang out have a meal with a friend in the evening right I might not you even need know. to save spoons yes. if you want to do that I usually don't do my hair and my makeup on a client so it's it's yeah we have to look and also when you're chronically ill you don't have the same amount of spoons every day. Right. You have some days you have eight spoon days. Some days you have three spoon days. And so some, you want to kind of keep some spoons in the yes. tank because you might be coming down with a cold. So maybe you're going to need a couple of spoons tomorrow. Yeah. Or you've got something like for you, if you've got something big coming up, yeah. it's like, okay, well, I need triple spoons. Yeah. For, I kind of, with me and spoon theory, I have like rest days to reserve, like build up the spoons. And it's just spoon theory, not only has it helped me and Alex to just manage this illness together but it's really helped me communicate how my life is affected by my illness to people who don't understand why I can say I'm sorry I can't do that yes like I've not got enough spoons that's literally what I say I've got no spoons and Rory will stop me he'll find me like hanging up washing and he'll be like hey no spoons you've not got the spoons for this (laughs) sit down I've got more spoons because yeah and I able-bodied person typically has as many spoons as they need or they have the ability to push past the limit whereas for me and you if I push past my spoon limit I'm out for days yeah the repercussions of that yeah. huge it, 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 the consequences are bigger for that us that's the word I was trying to <laughs> consequences <laughs> okay so let's rewind because um there was something that we said spoke about a little bit earlier which was when people are kind of hitting that wall about why they're not creating or doing the stuff they want to be yes. doing so maybe they're calling it lazy they think they're being lazy. Maybe people listening are relating to that and thinking about things they would have liked to achieve in the last year. We're kind of coming up to the year end and people start to reflect. And maybe they feel like they've not put the work in or they've not made it happen. And you and I, whenever we meet, we talk about kind of the the shared, the problems that come up again and again in client work for both of us mm. and where they overlap. And it's always quite interesting to see these problems kind of from different perspectives. So I wondered if we should maybe dig into like the reasons we've seen for that and how we've helped people work through it. Yeah, that sounds good. So what's your top, like what are your top three things that you think stop people from, like allow people to get in their own way? I think fear and shame, they're they're the same thing. So the fear of failure, the fear of being judged, the fear of being criticised. Oh God, yeah. And then also the shame of maybe you've put yourself out there before and you were knocked down. And I also think some people... I think some people are ashamed to pursue creativity. Yeah. I think some people are like, oh, well, um, I have this sometimes. I'll be watching The West Wing, which is mine and Alex's favourite show. And I'll be like, these people are running a country and I'm just writing blog posts about my feelings. And, and I think so. I think it's the fear of failure and also maybe the shame of, is this worthwhile pursuit? So I think that's the first one. I think, I think patience. Mm-hmm. I think impatience is the biggest killer of creativity and business and joy because no one builds something amazing overnight. The only people who can build something amazing overnight is because they had so much privilege to do so. They had a lot right. of startup cash. They knew the right people. Most normal humans, it takes not just months, it takes years. 
it can take it takes decades to build a career that can last because you have to learn so much and you have to fuck up so much yes. and then figure out how to fix it and that's part of making that brilliant thing yeah and you have to get good no one's good from the get-go no you have no. to get good at what, and I think impatience is when I always say to clients and just it, it's like it's not going to happen on your schedule it's very rare that what you want is going to happen on your schedule yeah. it's you have to be, you have to, I think Elizabeth Gilbert says it perfectly when she's like, I want this enough that I'm willing to do it even though it might fail. Yes. Yeah. And it's, so I think fear and shame, impatience of just, impatience kills so much. And oh, third one, it's probably, I think specifically with the creative business world, it's discovering who you are as a business owner. Mm -hmm. So do you know how you work best? Do you know what your business model really is? And I think, I think comparison and I think comparison gets, I think some people see someone getting ahead faster than them and then they think, well, I'm not good enough. So I can't move forward as fast as that person. And that just means that they flounder altogether and stop moving. Yeah. Or just, I think it's just being really mean to yourself. Yes. And then also, I think it's, it's really funny. I think the things that get in the way is you're really mean to yourself. And then it's also entitlement and ego also get in the way. Right. It's, right. Like the t it's really weird because one's like a self-deprecating thing. And then one's like a self-indulging type of thing. And they both, we all have like, we all have those two things messing yeah. with us. And sometimes one is stronger than the other, yeah. but they kind of are both contributing to each other in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely like a whole, so it could almost be a whole separate podcast is, uh, the complexity of of comparison and what it does to people that it either makes people paralyzed yeah. with self-loathing or it kind of throws people off path and they get so distracted by what someone else has got that they think they want that yeah and then they pursue it and then they mm. and then they're just like what the hell am I they're on this Where have path. I ended up? I've made a and, business based yeah. on what someone else is doing. Or worse comes to worse, they've tried to build something but it wasn't right for them, so they've just wasted a year. Right. The uh, or the I think the only way comparison. Some people are wired to be fired up by that. I get quite. I was gonna say I get quite fired up by it. That's powerful. That's, yeah. That, I always say whatever energy, however we're feeling about something, it can be destructive energy or productive energy. So for example, envy, we can either be like, I'm going to let this kill, I'm going to let this ruin me. Or you know what, what am I really envious about? What is that saying to me about my desires? How can I turn that into productive energy to move forward in my life and career? See, so my, usually I see someone who's like absolutely killing it. And most of the time what I meet that with is curiosity. Yes. So I'm instantly like, how have they got yeah. here and how what can I learn from it yeah. and if if it's like oh they're doing so much better than me obviously there's that feeling of damn I want to be like they're doing better than me that's not fair but you kind of my brain very quickly gets to the point where it's like well hang on if it's possible for them it's possible for me yeah. it's all productive for yeah. yeah yeah you don't let it like and I think I think there's a certain level of self is it self-worth or self-confidence that gets you to that place because I think you have to love yourself a certain bear with me here everyone I know I sound crazy I think you have to love yourself a certain amount to look at those situations and not let it make you say to yourself well I'm a piece of crap yeah and I think you know that's not easy it's not easy to love yourself if whatever you know we've all been through crap and I think it's getting to a place where you love yourself and you believe in yourself enough that anything that you'd usually trigger you to a negative place to a curious place to a productive place to a fired up place to a inspired place right of wow they've done it that means I'm capable of it too and if that's not you I would say like I've definitely dealt with lots of people who find comparison such a difficult influence 
look away, just look away, like stop looking at that person's page 12 times a day. <laughs> Boundaries. And I, I also say, so usually we're comparing people who are not on the same race as us. So I say like, get clarified. So this person is like, okay, I'm jealous of them. Well, is their circumstances different yeah. to you? Is there, Have they had different opportunities that you've not had access to? Like you are running different races. They have different things available to you than you might have. And also you know especially when it's on social media and I think probably most of what we're talking about here is how people are represented on social media however open honest authentic prolific that person is on social media it's still only going to be one percent of their story it's yes the highlight reel exactly it's a tiny percentage and you might be like well I wouldn't care as long as I was skinny blonde and had a million Instagram followers (laughs) but the sad reality is is that you still would not be happy. No, then that person has still got just as many real problems in their life. And yeah. it's seductive. We can get sucked in. I've had friends who know my reality who have still somehow convinced themselves that the online reality that's glossier and neater and, you know, just less of a day-to-day drain than real life is, is my real life. And I have to kind of remind them <laughs> that actually, no. You still cry and have periods like the yeah, rest of Yeah, exactly. My leg hair is still long <laughs> enough to plait. Like, it, yeah real life doesn't get out the way also another thing i would say some people and this isn't a criticism of people who do this but i think it's something to remember is some people use the highlight reel to sell you something Mm. and that's the worst one like don't be mistaken when someone when someone is portraying something because they want you to buy something from them yes and that's marketing and i think be careful because i think marketing the lines of it have blurred a lot so I think that's creeping into what we we think we're consuming just a person sharing themselves. But sometimes there's, whether they're an influencer or they've got a business, sometimes they're selling us a certain image to make us buy something. whole lifestyle. And it's not bad what they're doing, that's just business. But sometimes when you've got comparison mixed with being marketed to, I think that's an extra layer of messing with our heads a little bit. Totally, because it's a, it's an extra level of fiction yes. that's been put on and, there. And it's a bit more it's, it's actually doing something it wants our attention yeah it well, wants this, a reaction from us I wrote about this in my blog post kind of about dealing with some of my money issues like my money mental issues and one of the things is like I used to really blame myself when I would cave in and buy something mm. that, I'd, that I'd been sold to about and then I kind of realized actually like these businesses have multi-million pound budgets devoted to psychologically influencing us to want to buy stuff yeah. it is not your fault if you fall into the trap and go go ahead and buy something and then think why did I buy this because you've you've deliberately been manipulated into doing that yeah and I think as consumers and as certainly as citizens of the internet we have we all have a duty to kind of educate ourselves and to learn how to spot marketing because it's not hard you can tell you can tell when someone's bullshitting you can tell when someone's telling you one thing is real and leaving out the rest and you can definitely tell when someone is just saying something because it's gonna try and get you to buy i think what the the biggest shame is like we're more vulnerable the more we're struggling with ourselves the more vulnerable i think we are to mm. being marketed something that we don't really need it's exploitation yeah because i feel like i know me i will be more likely to shop when i'm emotionally like something's wrong yeah i'm just like oh, i'll put shopping on top of it or food on top of it and i think especially in like this online world we're more vulnerable to be affected by comparison if we're currently not happy with our own lives right and i don't know about you jim but i've found the the friends i've been able to keep the relationships that have kind of withstood the last few years in my life which is most of them which is really i'm really fortunate but it's the people who are happy with their own lives well it's it's tough it's tough to have it would be it's very tough to maintain a friendship or any type of relationship 
when you both aren't lovingly supporting each other. Yeah. And it's very hard. It takes a certain type of character to push for your own crap to really love someone else. Yes. Because it is, if you're having the worst day and your best friend's having the best time in their life, it is going to trigger something in you. Of course. you go, And I think it's perfectly healthy to be like, yeah. I love you, but right now I kind of hate you. Yeah, in a love, <laughs> and, it's, and it's like the secret, or the, the, what we really want is people to say, this is triggering for me, but I'm going to separate it because I love you yes. and I want to support you. Yeah. I think, but... We all have our demons and we all have the possibility to fall into a place where we just get so wrapped up in our own pain that we kind of put that on someone else. Yes. And that's right. And then it's it depends on how strong the friendship or the relationship is to survive that. It's been kind of illuminating for me because I've found, oh, this could be a whole separate discussion <laughs> as well, but like, yeah, other people's reaction to success is really difficult to predict so you might look at someone and think that they have everything and it's all going well for them but their response to my success is is to be hugely triggered and it kind of sends them off i think a mutual person who you had on the show and whose blog i love is sarah von bargain yes and she has this beautiful blog post which is like my life choices are not a commentary on yours yes and i think that is where relationships get messed up when a friend makes a decision and it's something wild. It's like, so for example, me and you chose not to take our husband's names. Mm-hmm. You've kept yours. Me and Alex have double-barreled. Now, say I had a friend who did take the husband's name. A healthy friendship would know that I'm not doing... Me not taking Alex's name does not mean that I'm judging women who do take their husband's yes, name. it's not a disapproval. It's not a commentary on that life choice. Just like, for example, a vegetarian who's friends with a meat eater, them being a vegetarian isn't saying to that person, you're a bad person for being a meat eater. So it's right. it's knowing that our choices are not a commentary on someone else's. And I think it's being so at peace with our life choices that we don't go into every connection with a friend saying, well, they've done that, so what does that say about me? Because right. it's them, that's their stuff, this is my... But honestly, like, I'm only 25, like, I'm still learning this in friendships to to not but constant I think as women we have been pitted against each other we ha- well I was gonna say this is never more present than in motherhood when you've got babies yeah and I'm not, I've not been there so it is it is a minefield because whatever choice parenting choices you make you alienate the mothers who are making different choices and it's because we have been pitted against us by the media by the marketers so you're breastfeeding and you're bottle feeding well you can't be friends Wow. And there's an awkwardness there. There's a genuine awkwardness there. Like, so I breastfed all that and like I would be with mums with bottles and I could see that they were kind of, they were almost frightened that we couldn't speak to each like other. Like your action was a commentary on Exactly, theirs. exactly. Which is not. It's just you doing what you think is best for your child and you're so busy doing what's best for your child you don't really care what anyone else is doing with theirs. Yeah, and what you're capable of. Like, not everyone can breastfeed. No, exactly. And it's just, it is, I think... There's this beautiful thing that does happen in female friendships and in just like lots of my closest friends are men. So I think it's all friendships, but I think women, we tend to go deeper to places when you can have that safe space of this is not a commentary on you. Yes. And I think it's in the creative world, I think it's extra hard because we're all kind of triggered by each other mm. and we're all kind of, but it's, it's, um, for me, I just think it's a level of personal growth that I want. This is a journey I want to go on. I want to always be able to lovingly support the people in my life without it meaning, without it, without bringing my own shit to the table. Right. Especially as a coach, that's so important, isn't it? Cause you have to show up and be there for them. Yeah. Every call. I'm Elizabeth Gilbert in an interview with Marie Folio. She said something really, she said about her when she did, I think it was her Super Soul Sunday talk. And Marie was like, were you not nervous? And Elizabeth Gilbert was like, 
the people in the audience they didn't need my fear mm. they were like she was like this was an opportunity for me to just show like female autonomy and just like a powerful woman they didn't need my fear on that stage and that's kind of it's told I am no way Elizabeth Gilbert <laughs> but I kind of have kept that as a coach of like my clients don't need my crap and also my I take this to my content as well so like and I feel you must do this too because it's just so obvious in the way you do it so whether it's I'm writing a blog post or an email or I'm showing up to a client I'm not bringing my crap to the table I am not going to put any of my crap onto these people because they've got their own crap. I'm going to show up and I'm here for them. So in my content, for example, I don't write things. You know, sometimes we sometimes write things to validate ourselves. <laughs> and I'm like, I try and get out that stuff because I think if I need help, that's who the people in my life are for. But my job is to be of service to others and I'm going to keep my crap off the table. Like maybe between nine and six when I'm working with a client, my crap's not on the table. As soon as I finish working, if I need to go back to dealing with my emotional mess, <laughs> I can do that if it's there that day but I think yeah I feel like we're going on like a whole different tangent but but yeah like not bringing your friends it's different because it's a mutual relationship whereas as a coach what me and you do it's it's not about us and I actually think that's what's amazing about coaching because who do we have in our life where we can just be completely selfish yes you can dominate a conversation it's all about you yes I really that's one of the reasons I really value coaching is is kind of the excuse to offload all of that stuff yeah, and, and then get a, some insight and it's such a safe place and it's all about you and you know you've, you've hopefully chosen a coach who you really connect with I think that's what's magical about coaching but as me and you being the coaches we have to do a lot of self-work we have to really put our own oxygen mask on first and take care of ourselves so that we don't bring our crap to the table when we work with clients right because the last per- the last thing someone wants when they when you pick up a call from them or you respond to an email is all your baggage as well yeah Alex laughs sometimes say I'm having like say I'm just having a lot of pain one day almost I'll be waking up and he just goes you're a machine when you go to work because I can be on calls and I'm so in it and then as soon as the work day ends he'll be like how are you and I'll be like oh my, yes. I'm in pain it's like you haven't shown it and it's I've um Grey's Anatomy is my favorite tv show ever and I see them they kind of for 14 hours they do these surgeries and they just don't feel pain and I not that I think coaching is the same as being an amazing surgeon, but when you're in the middle of serving someone, your problems kind of all do go away. I used to have this in the NHS, so I would work with these little kids, uh, quite often young children with autism. And yeah, I could be unrelentingly enthusiastic and engaged in play with them for a solid hour. And then I would leave and have to sleep in my car. Yes. But it, it's like a switch. And, and I would often, I'd be like, if I could just be around these kids all the time, I would be working at that capacity all the time, except I think it would have killed me. <laughs> <laughs> but it is funny how when you're focused on someone else, you can just be in there with them in that moment. And then, but on the other side of it, you're still Sarah or Jen, the human being, who is still, you know, tired or grumpy grumpy or... but there's just I um whenever I work with clients who are starting their own coaching business and like oh what's your biggest advice for a coach and it's like you are your first client take care of yourself so that you always have got a full tank when you're sitting down with that client because they need you to show up fully well this kind of goes back I guess to that not getting in your own way in any business because one of the things that I often say to people is like sort out your own head in order to sort out your business because they're the same thing like especially for solopreneurs I don't know how I feel about that word but (laughs) it's very American yeah for people know what it means I'm gonna go ahead and use it if you are the the whole show behind your business then how well you function how much you can kind of get out of your own way and get shit done determines how well the business is and how much money you're going to make it's kind of your bottom line so like I'll say to people if you need therapy go and get therapy if you need coaching find the money if you can and and get coaching even if it's just you know I've been there when you have zero money to invest in yourself or your business 
and the NHS waiting lists are ridiculously <laughs> long and you only get six weeks. I've been there. But a good book, like yeah. that's one of your bits of advice, isn't it? Is I, if you don't have the energy, the resources, whether it's time, energy, money to get help, or you just, you know what, if you've got a lot of stuff weighing you down, it's pretty scary to go and ask for help. So I say mm. dip your toes in the water, find something that can be a catalyst for some self growth and discovery. So say you have money mindset issues, go and get a book that you've seen being recommended about money, sit with it see what comes up for you maybe through that process you'll discover what next you need on this because it's all a continuous journey so right. whatever you're going through just I'm just a believer in face it head on if you can if you if you have the emotional strength to face it head on do it because like you said what's going on with you is going to affect your business and especially so for example I suffer with anxiety and I have had to really manage my anxiety because it flares up in my business of course yeah but you could be an anxious human that's okay I have like there's no shame there but anxiety as a business owner can distract you from smart business decisions right we don't always make the best decisions when we're in that mind state yes. of like heightened anxiety yeah and I'm okay if I'm if my anxiety makes me a best for a day in my real life that's cool I'm there's no shame there but I ha- I do not give myself permission for my anxiety to disrupt my business because my business is bigger than just me as a, it needs to so it needs to be bigger than that. It needs to be stable and solid. And so I've had to really work on my anxiety to make sure that in my business, I'm the bravest version of myself and can manage that anxiety. Because if not, it, it would fall, it would fall apart because I would be making decisions that weren't rooted in the business. It would be rooted in my anxiety. One thing that really helped me actually, and this may just be my own brain or it might be useful to other people, is that I separate out what's best for my business and what's best yes. for me and I kind of imagine my business as a living breathing entity yeah. that is separate from me so I'm like the custodian of it I'm it's the mother. CEO yeah I'm, I'm its mum I'm its mama bear and I have to look after it and so then it's much easier it's easier to say no to things because I'm like this is not right for the business and it's yeah. not personal but it's also easier to be like okay I feel like this is terrifying and I shouldn't do it because it triggers all of my yeah. self-doubt but the business needs me to push through that and get it done. Yeah. And that can really help me get things kind of moving like a big launch or whatever feels too scary to tackle. That's so funny. You've just put into words what I do and didn't put it into words <laughs> like that. But I think it's the best way to, because I also think for a, um, a self-worth perspective, if we make ourselves completely, if we define ourselves by our business, mm. that I don't think that's healthy. I mean, we've all been there. That's I think that's where the glorification of busy and hustle comes from because we wrap ourselves up in the business. Right. But we're still a wife a human a sister a mother a, a daughter was friend was and if the business folded tomorrow your value hasn't changed yes but we've and we put so much value on status and wealth and how we look successful from the outside but at the end of the day I'm still me like I'm constantly going on this journey as a human of where does my worth come from who am I mm-hmm. where's my my business has shaped me and changed me and I wouldn't be who I am now without it sure but hugely it's not me it's a part of me it's not me and if the, that's why if the business dropped away tomorrow you still gained all that knowledge so that has still changed you and you are still yeah. the person you are now the quote I was saying to I said this to Jen earlier was a quote I found somewhere online and I've loved it for ages but one day I googled it and found out it was from a Christian rapper <laughs> who like I just don't know if that's on brand for me but he's obviously a very wise Christian rapper because one of the things he said presumably in one of his Christian rap songs, was if you live by people's acceptance, you'll die by their rejection. Yeah. And that's that's the huge danger you take if you are like, well, I'm going to build this thing up because it will say everything about me for me and then I won't have to say it for myself. 
Um, my first car was a Figaro. Do you know the Figaros are like those little pastel? Oh, yeah. They come in. Mine was a little green Figaro. And one of the things I loved about it, one of the many, many things I loved about it, was if I pulled up in that car, everybody knew a certain amount of things about me before I even opened the door. So I didn't have to work as hard to make them get to know me because it kind of projected a sense of self about me beforehand. And I feel like a lot of us can use social media in that way. Yeah. Where it's like, if I can just have this social media presence that enough people know me for, then I won't have to work at making them see me a certain way. And the actual secret here is, you shouldn't have to work at make people making people see you in any way. You should just show up as you are. That is so... I, like, that's huge. I just think what you've hit on there is, like, that's huge. And I think does that's rooted in, like, identity and self-worth. And, like, is that rooted in thinking that we're not enough, so we have to put... A persona. A persona on and just... Like we're trying to trick everybody. And well, we're, the, but we're good enough as we are. Right, exactly. And that's where the imposter syndrome can come in because like, it's one of the things that Sass says is like, if you're doing that, you kind of are an imposter because you're pretending to be this version of yourself that you think people might want. Yeah. But you don't actually know that that's what they want. So I would pull up in this car and I'd be like, people would then start to use words like, oh, she's quirky or she's like, I don't know. It was kind of a vintagey car, so they'd put me in a certain box. And they were probably fairly accurate boxes for what I liked, but it kind of gave me an excuse to not try as hard. It's like um, hiding. Yeah. Not taking up the like space. showing up in not, a disguise. Yeah. That's so interesting. I feel like Brene Brown, if she was listening, which she obviously is probably not, but if she was, she would have so much to say about this, about the whole just vun- the vulnerability of really showing up and being seen. And being exactly who you are on that yeah. day. It's interesting because um, one of the things I'm looking at at the moment is I may buy a new Figaro. So it's been, I had to sell it just before Ola was born. So it's been kind of five years. And I think one of, like, I've really been thinking about it and thinking, God, it it would be, it would hold a really different place in my life now to have that car. And I wouldn't care about people seeing me in it. It would be much more about just, I love the experience of having it. So... That's interesting. I, maybe I'll update you guys on. And also it'd be really Instagram friendly. <laughs> Do you think that growth for you has come with time and motherhood and just getting older and also with just your business, just discovering more of who you are and coming more home to yourself in your work? It's definitely in the three things. So it's meeting Rory, my partner, my husband, and being in a nurturing, supportive relationship yeah. has changed so much for me because it was the first time I've ever had that. You know, I didn't have it from my family. I didn't have it from previous relationships. So that was hugely transformative. And then having Orla, I do think it's such a cliche, but when you become a mother, by whatever means you go, you go down that route, it, it can really change you because it's like you're born again at the same time and you have to get to know yourself as this different person and then my business is the third possibly the biggest of the three it's like therapy isn't it having your own business yeah we say that all the time together don't we and that means it's not always comfortable just Mm. like therapy like you cry your eyes out and you you feel like a failure and you dig up some really uncomfortable stuff that you'd rather leave buried but you grow and you keep moving forward and you come out of it a lot happier and a lot more sane I think you just um, segued. Oh, you haven't realised this. We were talking earlier about the word tenacity. And I feel like you just... Oh, George, my puppy is barking, if you can all hear that. Um, you, I think you hit the nail on the head there because it, it's uncomfortable. It's hard. It brings up so much crap. Like, like you're putting yourself out there in your business and then it brings up... Some of us had this crap of, am I worthy? Am I good enough? And it just brings it up all like, oh, but I... For me, a story I've always told myself is that I mess everything up. And this year I've been working through that so much because the anxiety of, you met, you are a person who messes everything up. So I've kind of had this belief knowingly in my business and I really had to let that story go because I was like, 
why so that just just an example there's stories that have been told as a whole yeah, life though, just right? like you will and so I think that's the tenacity to keep going and to keep showing up and to keep believing that your vision for your work and your life you are capable of bringing that to fruition and it's worth it even if the path is not as linear or as easy as you hoped it will be because it never will be right tenacity occasionally it shows up in my twitter bio when i've got enough characters i say (laughs) that i'm annoyingly tenacious and that is my thing i actually honestly think that that is the gold dust that i bring to anything i try and do because if i can get in that slightly obsessive mindset where I'm doggedly determined to make something happen, then you are not going to shift me off that path. No amount of shitty days, no amount of getting kind of blown off path or things not going the way I expected. It might knock me off for a day or two, but it's never going to knock me off long term. That's a superpower. Yeah, it is. And it's how, like, it applies to everything. It applies to, like, making Mark Hamill my best friend (laughs) as much as it applies to, like, making 200k this year or as much as it applies to, like, training a budgie. You have to accept that it's going to take a long time that sometimes it's going to feel like a step forward and sometimes it's going to feel like 15,000 steps back and if you quit what's that quote it's a quote that you used in your new book oh it's like anyone who's ever failed it's like um they just keep going one more time yeah something along those lines yeah so like it's not failure as long as you keep going because you've not you've not finished the only failure is death isn't okay the only end point is death right until then you can I I yeah I know that sounds really whenever I say things like this people think I sound so morbid but it's like ultimately until we die we still have the chance we're still working on it yeah and I think you I you do have that superpower and it must come so naturally to you I think the question I'm always asking as a coach and just as a human is how do we cultivate that when it doesn't come as naturally Mm. to ourselves or if it does come naturally to us how do we continue to cultivate that in the face of life that may throw obstacles and painful moments our way how do we cultivate tenacity? Because I believe in life, we choose everything. We choose how we respond to situations. We choose everything. So, I, so tenacity, tenaciousness, must be something that we can choose. Mm. You must, cho- you must consciously or subconsciously choose that every single day as a business owner and a human. So, for people listening, because if anyone's listening right now and thinking, "Well, I'm not tenacious. I've never shown that in my life, so I can't reach what built what Sarah's built or even build half of that path," I would challenge you to be like, "You are." capable of choosing definitely that. I mean for example before I started my business I was the laziest least tenacious person you would ever meet I scraped through school and university I never was a good employee ever I was just I just was such a disengaged human and then I mean I had a lot of health problems and that was probably adding to it but in my business I am tenacious like I give it 100% and I'm I, I, I wrote this book recently, which is called Nobody's Gonna Do Your Business or Your Life For You. Not doing a cheeky plug here, I promise. It's got a point to it. It's awesome, by the way, and I will link to it in the show notes. <laughs> I've been listening to it on audiobook form. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I called it that because that's the truth. No one's gonna do your business or your life for you. You Only you can do it. People will walk with you in that path and support you, whether it's a loved one or a coach or a teacher, whatever it's gonna be. We have to be tenacious enough to bridge the gap between where we are and where we wanna be. And we have to keep going and we have to cultivate it and... I just think I really believe that every single one of us, no matter our circumstance, has the ability to be tenacious. And I would extend that. Is that the right way to phrase it? Be tenacious. Yes. (laughs) And I would extend that too. If you are not finding your tenacity, it might be that it's the wrong goal. And Mm. that maybe the reason that you were not feeling it at uni and in those other jobs is because they weren't the jobs or the university course that you really should have been on. They weren't the right path for you. Because when it is right, when you really want it, it's a lot easier to switch into that nothing is going to stop me mode 
because you've got that end goal in sight you've got the you've got your eye on the prize and you can keep fighting for it so again it kind of cuts back to that whole thing like if you're being lazy if you're not doing what you expect yourself to do that probably means something is amiss and it might be your health and it might be the resources aren't there it might be that you're scared and your self-doubt is Mm. in the way or it might just be that it's not the right goal and and it's only by looking at our inactivity that we are able to move forward yeah you just hit the nail on the head completely it's like usually resistance is there for a reason yes fear sometimes it's because your tank is empty yeah and you just need to rest sometimes it's because you're scared sometimes it's because you don't really want to do what you say you want to do but it's um i also think there's a there's you've got to have enough tenacity to keep showing up mm-hmm. even when it's hard and even when you don't know the answer i also think it's a layer of believing in yourself and that you're capable of it yes i think i see a, a lot of people who for one reason or another even if they don't fully admit it to themselves, they don't believe that they're capable of what they've seen other people be capable of. But the truth is, we're all capable. I always, it's such a cliche, but we are all so much more capable than we think we are. And the favorite moments of my life is when I astonish myself or when I see my clients astonish themselves. Like my favorite feeling in the world is, and I really recommend it to everyone, is if you just sit there and you think of everything that has happened in your life up to this moment, all the challenges, all the obstacles, everything you had to overcome and survive, big or small, and you just sit there and you, that is powerful to just see how far you've come. And we don't do that very often because we think it's a bit self-indulgent. Mm. But that in those moments, I'm always reminded I can continue to keep going. Absolutely. And there's an Annie DeFranco quote where she says, all of this was just someone's idea and it could just as well be mine. Mm. And I think it's that. It's keeping your mind open to that possibility that like, you know, if, if someone can build a house, then in theory any of us can learn to build a house. And if someone can build a business, then in theory, any of us can learn to build a business that's equally profitable or successful or whatever it is that we need it to be. We're all born with roughly the same brain, the same body roughly, and we don't all have the same opportunities, but the one thing that we do control is our tenacity and our ability to keep fighting and keep showing up. And how we respond to the shit that life is inevitably going to throw away. And I should caveat that with, of course... This is a podcast for people who are living primarily in the West. And so yeah. we're all, we're talking about within a framework of certain privileges. We have access to the internet. Yes, and electricity. Yeah, and, and healthcare, water, and education. And, yes. and like, it's so, it's actually, I, this is a tangent, but I may, I wonder if everyone listening struggles with this. Sometimes it's really hard when you get down to the bare bones of that, of like, I'm still showing up with so much privilege here. Yes. Should I just shut the hell up? But just because we have so much privilege, we still have something to say. We all still have something to say for the people who still have the similar amounts of privilege that we have. Right. And you know, it's all relevant. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's all very relative. And it's kind of one of the things that I have a problem with about the whole theory of attraction. I loved your tweet about that. <laughs> uh, the whole like the universe wants you to be successful and you just have to keep thinking positive because actually there are some circumstances that will not get out of your way no matter how hard you think positive and it's not as simple as that it absolutely is not and we are so fortunate to be in the position where we can make these things happen for ourselves but we are the majority I suspect if you're listening to this you probably are in a position where you maybe have barriers and things that are in your way but it's within your grasp yeah and so that's kind of what we're talking about here I suppose yeah I mean like you can't think pots away and I can't think away my Chiari and like we can't but 
like you said, if you've got the internet connection <laughs> to listen yes. to this, I think it's a business. I think sometimes some of us, business feels harder for us. So you can see someone and maybe they had someone who could fund them while they built their business or maybe they had access to someone. And maybe if you're in a situation where you're like, well, I don't have a sugar daddy to fund me. <laughs> I don't have, you know, and maybe I've got two kids to raise or I've got this health condition. And I always, I always think that something to remind myself is you, all you can do is the best you can with what you've got. Yes. And all you can do is like Cheryl Strade says this beautiful quote, which is like, you have an obligation to play. You don't have an obligation to the cards you think you should have been dealt, but you have an obligation to play the hell out of the cards you've been handed. And I'm like, that's the motto for my life. I don't get to choose any of the crap that was out of my control. I get to choose how I show up to my life, how I respond to my life and how I make people feel. Because I think that's a big part. I think that's a big part of business. Yes. It's how do we make people feel? How do we show up for people? And I think... um we all have the choice to play the hell out of the cards we've been dealt. And I think tenacity and courage, I think courage, I think courage as a business owner is everything. Like yeah. You are so courageous. Am you're I? not fearless <laughs> you've, because no one's fearless, but you're, you put yourself out there. You've taken, you've believed in yourself enough to like build for yourself something incredible for you and your family. I have to say, I think one of the ways I'm really fortunate is I have that audience of people cheering me on, which makes courage easier to find. But then I, so I absolutely lean on that and people who know me and know my stuff will know that I'll talk about when I'm struggling or when I can't, when I've got to do something and I'm frightened about how it's going to turn out because I know that having someone cheering you on makes all the difference. And that's kind of what you and I have found ourselves doing so much for other people is cheering other people on because for me, the whole thing was like, I, I built this business and then I kind of turned around and looked at what I had and was like, why did nobody tell me I could do this? <laughs> well, nobody told me this was an option. And so now my like whole life's mission is to tell as many people as possible that it's an option for them and to help them get there. Yeah, because it's, it's, I always say, business is harder than we think it is and it's easier than we think it is. That's so true. The things that we think will be easy are usually hard. So people think it's easy just to build a community or just mm-hmm. to sell something those are the hard bits because that has to come from a very real meaningful place but the things that people think will be hard are actually easy it's it's business is a confusing interesting journey and I think but I am not the same on the other side of it and I'm I still feel like I'm just at the beginning totally totally and sometimes you feel I feel like the word business like I almost wish we had a different word because I feel like that belongs to a different world to like a picture like sky rise like offices yeah. Steve and, Jobs yeah Steve Jobs men in suits boardrooms vertical blinds and and so I I never associated myself with that word I never associated what I was doing with that word and I think there's probably a lot of other people who've got like a small craft business maybe they're a maker or an artist or a photographer or a writer and they don't see it as a business we call ourselves entrepreneurs or freelancers instead and it's almost like I wish that we had another word I wish there was a new business word that we could take that ownership of and actually use it because what we're doing is huge and magical and important and world-changing if we all follow the right path and yeah I I wish that that word hadn't been contaminated yeah it's interesting I always think what we're ultimately doing is like building a creative livelihood yeah and I think like you said it creative people because that's who we work with are just my favorite people in the world yes and what we're doing is we're changing our own lives and also having a positive impact on other people's lives whether it's because you're a health coach and you're helping people overcome body image issues or you're a, a writer and you in- entertain or inspire people or you're a maker and you fill people's homes with beautiful ornaments like whatever you're doing you can be like you can bring joy to someone else's life and you get to change your own life and take control of your own life which makes you a happier human, which means you're more available to contribute yes. to the other humans around you. And maybe if you've got kids, you've, you're able to be 
the kind of parent that shows up for them and that's how the world changes in in that small evolution of yeah. of the people who are making the money and the people who are spreading the joy yeah and it's it's not easy because you build a business like I call it the mountain climbing stage and you've got every so the first mountain to climb is like get your business off the ground get it profitable get it turn it an idea into a business and all the way up that mountain I've got if you could see me right now I'm like drawing a mountain on the table <laughs> for Sarah. there's so many obstacles and they're basically they're standing there to say do you want this like Elizabeth Gilbert said it perfectly like it's like fear is there to be like do you want this enough that you're going to overcome me and you have to keep overcoming them and keep going because even once you've climbed that first mountain Sarah for example has climbed 20 mountains by now which is ironic because I can't climb one in real life <laughs> <laughs> but you have 20 more you have 100 more ahead of you in your career and you have to continue to stare up at that mountain and say I've climbed so many but I don't get to stop I don't get to rest on my laurels am I going to keep climbing them and I think it's don't expect it to be easy but also don't make it harder for yourself than it has to be and have as much courage and tenacity as possible to keep going and rest when you need to because everyone who climbs real mountains has to rest but it's the only way to get to where you want to be is to keep going and I guess like try and be one of those strange people who enjoys climbing mountains yeah because it's such a cliche it's about the journey not the destination <laughs> but like yeah if you can get into the mindset of actually the climbing of the mountain is almost just as fun as freewheeling down the other side then you're living a life that's full of the stuff that you want to be doing and like sure there are parts of my business that I don't enjoy I'm sure everybody has those but I do I get a thrill every morning when I sit down at my desk and start my job because I love it you have to love the climb you have to love the process you have to love the the thrill of it the it's like it it is like it's a I always say business is exhilarating and 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 exhausting at exactly the same time that's so true I I was reading The Big Leap oh Gay Hendricks yes and he talks about how excitement uh, fear is just excitement without the breath and if you Mm. remember to breathe when you feel fear it can turn into excitement and they are really close they're very closely linked and actually like the exhilaration of I'm about to do something that's really terrifying it's like that moment before you dive into the cold sea and you you know you're about to do something that your body is telling you not not to do but you're going to do it anyway because your mind is stronger and that can be quite an addictive feeling you just you know that and um example you gave of diving into the deep so you know in those moments when you like people tell us when you feel most alive yeah I think that's really interesting in business I for me when I am honoring my potential honoring my creative curiosities and being as brave as I can be whatever capacity I have to have that day that's when I feel most alive yes and the only thing that compares to that is when I'm connecting with the humans that I love yes and those two things that's when I feel most alive and I think I have a feeling that's probably when we almost feel most alive. I mean, it sounds like lame cliche, but it's like there's a reason why so many of us pursue these creative paths. And it's not just because it's a way to make money. Because the, the money just pays the bills. Yeah. It just gives us the life. It's so much more than that. It's about the fact that you have this work within you or this desire within you or this curiosity within you and it will not go away. And I think um, there's a writer called Todd Henry. He has a book called I Empty and the takeaway from it is like, don't go to the grave with your best work inside of you. Now there's a privilege to that because some people don't, you know, some people die very young or out there, you know, like, but with the the control I have over how I spend my living moments, I don't want to go to the grave with my best work in me. I think that's, it's really beautiful as well because like everyone has a story to tell and everyone has something to contribute. And in a just world, in a fair world, no one would have to go to the grave with that still inside of them and like 
would you rather that somebody you know was lost at a young age and, and we never got to read the amazing book that they could have yeah. written or like it yeah I don't know if that's there's something about that that's really moving because it kind of is why we need a fair world so that everybody has the opportunities yeah. to put their best work out there because it's more important than just about self-serving or just about feeling good and businesses have the opportunity to do that I um I wrote a email this weekend and it was kind of about how why your why can be whatever you want it to be because I feel like a lot of people when it comes to finding a business why I think a lot of people feel this pressure for it to be this big impressive thing Mm -hmm. and I was kind of just saying like listen maybe you want to change the world maybe you just want to change your world it can be whatever you want it to be you know if it I like my emails to be somewhat short and snappy and not overwhelming if I had more space to turn it into a bit of an essay what I would have said on top of that is sometimes when your why is just changing your own world so maybe you want to build a photography business so you can work from home around your children and have this awesome freedom of time Maybe that you've changed your own world and you build that, but on the other side of that, you may also then have the resources and the ability to change the world. It's sometimes it's you have to have a certain level of your tank filled up, right, to have an impact in the world, right. And I just think I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think as business owners, we have this wonderful opportunity because we have platforms to share stories, share ideas, to also facilitate the sharing of other people's stories. Because do you know what I mean? Like we can share things and we can, I think, um, and that's a whole other conversation around what business and ethics and our place in the world and how we want to change the world and it's a whole other story but I do think you hit the nail on the head there like this businesses have a especially small I'm very inspired by female-run businesses just because women just taking up space and just saying you know screw you to the gatekeepers I'm gonna be my own gatekeeper and it's a we were talking earlier like it's quite a different world and I find I am not taken seriously at all by the traditional male corporate business world which is interesting because actually like I've got a ton of insight like I've got quite a lot of education in that area and quite often I can kind of look at the corporate business world and absolutely size up what's going on and people people think because we represent this creative female orientated business world and we come across maybe as soft-spoken or quite young that we can't be taken seriously and in some ways it's annoying and in other ways I feel like it's a bit of a secret weapon that I've got hidden yeah, because because the, the women who you connect with and who I connect with, the big corporate world wouldn't connect with them. No. You have carved out space. Like think of all like the people you've just inspired and encouraged for your work. Like you've done that by leaning into you and doing the hell out of you instead of fitting this corporate box. There's a friend of Rory's who is um, a solopreneur. There's that word again, and he has been having coaching. I know Rory was saying he's been having coaching to try and kind of work out how his business is evolving. But the kind of coaching you get when I think, and this may be a sweeping generalization, but when you go in the male corporate business world to find coaching, it's very much like you're, it's all about kind of pushing through the fear and being <laughs> being more dominating. And it's all about kind of primal mm. maleness. And none of those strategies would work for me. They wouldn't work for the women I know. They wouldn't work for the men and women who I work with. And so I'm kind of, sometimes I'm kind of glad that we're not on that radar, that we're building something completely separate from it because I do think it's like a quiet revolution. Yeah, it's quiet. And I think, um, I think both of us can probably relate here. Like when you're working with a client and helping them, you know, do the thing they really want to do, it's half nitty gritty practical and it's also half just getting to the heart of what the hell's getting in the way from them and just holding a safe space for them to just, put all their crap out on the table and figure it out which is for a lot of men in our society they're just not allowed to do that anywhere there's yeah. no safe space to be a man with all of your crap and your feelings and your fears and your worries which is just 
a whole other subject we could talk about. Yes. So can you, maybe you, listeners, dear listeners, you're getting a feeling about the way conversations with Jen and I go, <laughs> where we just whiz around from a thousand different topics. And I feel like we could continue to do so, but we should probably be wrapping this up. <laughs> so have I, have I any conclusions to draw from the last one? <laughs> I've, I, I've, you know, like when you're, you're, you're in a moment, but you've also got your dialogue happening in your head. And my dialogue is like, what the, what the hell have we been talking about? <laughs> like, this is not a typical hashtag offensive. But I guess, I guess if I had like any last thing to say here, it would just be anyone listening, like whatever you want to do and however you feel you're getting in your own way, there is tons of resources out there to help you go for them. But ultimately you've got to be your own, like you've got, you've got to do this for yourself. So figure out how to be the bravest, most tenacious, most just awesome version of yourself and keep going and if it feels hard that's okay and if it feels easy that's okay and just be very kind to yourself and like you got to root for yourself all the way so there's one other thing that we should mention before we bring this to a close jen and i are planning um a joint venture in the new year it's as yet nameless and we may need your help naming it it's going to be a podcast problem page for creatives and creative business owners and all creative business owners so people can write in with their problems with whatever they're struggling with big or small and we will pick out letters each week and answer them via podcast um so what we would like from you guys is a if you have any punny or witty or just really catchy titles we are drawing a blank and b we would love to hear your problems you can choose to be anonymous if you like or we can give you a shout out whatever works for you and I'm going to stick a link in the show notes to this episode where people can share their problems with Jen and I it'll all be in complete confidence and um yeah hopefully we can make something magical together we're very excited so we're going to read out the letters but like Sarah said you can be private if you want to we can give you a shout out if you want to and I mean after listening to this episode you may think what the hell are these two no, never they just ramble on but if you if you like this hopefully you'll like unnamed Jen and Sarah show for suggestions we're totally not going to go with dear Jen and Sarah because, or Sarah and Jen because yeah. we're just not feeling that it needs to be snazzy you guys get it I know you guys get it so if anyone has a snazzy title we will be eternally grateful <laughs> and yeah send your questions in we cannot wait to hopefully answer them yeah we don't have all the answers but we have a we have a massive toolbox of things yes. that we can suggest I think between us I did I did the maths the other day I think I've done a thousand coaching calls now which is like, I was like a thousand, That's and I've, I've probably worked with about 150 people, and you probably worked with thousands of people on your courses. Yeah, one way over a thousand interns. So between us, we've got over a thousand people who we have cheered on and supported. So we would love to bring a little bit of that to the podcast. Yes. So the show notes for this episode will be at meanola.co.uk forward slash podcast. 35 and Jen where can we find you online I am at jencarrington.com I'm on social media at jencarrington um very rare I'm I'm not I'm like the opposite to Sarah on social media but yeah jencarrington.com is where you can find me and your ebook and audio download yes that you put a link in there yes and that is free it's free you'll just be signed up to my weekly letters which is where I send little notes to you on Sundays but if you hate them very welcome to unsubscribe you wouldn't hate them (laughs) Show notes for this week's episode and links to everything we've mentioned, including where you can submit your letters and your questions for our upcoming podcast project. They're all going to be at meandorla.co.uk forward slash podcast 35. And as Jen mentioned, we are both on social media, albeit with very different attitudes to how much we hang out there. So do come by and say hello and let us know what you thought. 
Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week. Bye.